previously on the Retro Rewind podcast. You know how the first episodes are so not rated the way we rate things now? And going back and redoing them. Install the quantum jump drive into the Thunder Road 2. Re-rewind is ready to jump. What's happening? The time jump sent me back while I attempted to repair the damage. All right, Alice. It's Francisco, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Hello, everybody. Where did he go? He time jumped. Why does he keep time jumping? I'm not entirely sure. Okay, we can be here forever. Well, based on that, Dad, uh, where would you speculate he jumped to? 1985, around the movie Teen Wolf, maybe. Sounds great. Alice, lay in a course for the 1985 movie Teen Wolf. Rewind when ready. Our time adventurers travel back two years in hopes of finding the Thunder Road 2 and their captain. And in that small scout ship, Francisco's eyes widen as his main ship, the RR Pod, appears before his eyes. But in a blink, he jumps to another time, hoping his crew can figure out a way to end the quantum jumps. At least we're on the right track. Good job, Travis, tracking him down. Any other readings from engineering? The readings on both our ship and the captain showed increase in activity just before the captain ship uh, TR2 jumped. I've collected the data, and now it just needs to be understood and sorted. Got it. Travis, I assume you have a reading on the TR2 and where it possibly went? I just now finished collecting the data on the remnant temporal residue. I'll begin analyzing. Alrighty, more time to kill. Here we are in front of the movie Teen Wolf. Oh, let's review it. Alice, let's call back Patrick Hicks, and this time let's have Aaron White join him from the Feelin' Film podcast to help with this episode of the Retro Rewind podcast. Yeah! Time hop through the movies, time hop through the movies, time hop through the movies, time hop. Yeah. Well, he was wondering if we could go back and revise our old reviews. So he time tested the scout ship and bam, trouble ensues. Now he's lost in the timeline and we're searching through the cosmos. Tell me where in time is Captain Francisco. Gotta Tell me it. where in time is Captain Francisco. Where in time is Captain Francisco. Where in time is is Captain Francisco. Where in time is Captain Francisco? Welcome, Rewinders. And new listeners to the Retro Rewind podcast, where we take a fresh look at movies and games from 15 years or older to see if they're still worth your time today. So put on your nostalgia ears as we review the movie Teen Wolf. You can find this episode at RetroRewindPodcast.com slash 169, where there are links to contact us, vote on the movies we cover, and more. And if you wind up loving the show and want to see it thrive, you can become a reflux capacitor. capacitor, Which is what makes time travel possible. Thanks, Marty. And a big special thank you to our patrons, the reflux capacitors, who are... Jared Holtower. Deborah Powers. Brian Keating. Patrick Hicks. L.J. Lowry. Chris Cowan. Myself, the Feelin' Film Podcast. Chris Owens. Geek Devotions. The Untold Podcast. Mrs. Lomax, Andy Lewis, Peter Panda, James Kinnison, and three other anonymous 
awesome patrons <laughs> and thank you all for supporting us on patreon our captain francisco ruiz is currently lost in the movie space time continuum but i paul j powers your xo have taken over command and continue to sail with you as always the crew has nicknamed me paul the master interrupter powers and we will see if that stays true as this episode continues to help me review this movie in absence of our captain, we have returning with us as returning guest host, our chief yeoman, Patch, also known as Patrick Hicks from the Fuel and Film podcast. Hi, Patch. Thanks for sticking around. Glad to stay. Yeah. <laughs> and if you want to hear more from Patch, you can check out our previous episodes when we covered Adventures in Babysitting in episode 97, Young Frankenstein in episode number 99, The Boy Who Could Fly in episode 106, Hook in episode 112, Tron in episode 122, and our previous episode when we covered Ernest Goes to Camp in episode 168. And we also have returning with us as a returning guest host, Aaron White from the Feeling Film Podcast. Hi, Aaron. Hello. Thank you for having me back on. Yes. Thank you so much for being on. And Aaron, this is your third time on the podcast, so that means you have graduated from guest to actually holding rank on this ship. So, you are hereby promoted to the rank of Shipman. Congratulations. Hi. <laughs> we have several positions available on the ship. Which area would you like to serve in? Well, since I myself am a sailor, as I have mentioned every time I've come on this show, and since yes. I myself have actually served on a ship, of which there is no one ever called a shipman, by the way, but <laughs> I'll go with it for the sake of this. But I got to tell you, since my actual job in the Navy, I achieved the rank in my illustrious career of Chief Yeoman. Wow. I will never get over the fact that my best friend, who has never <laughs> stepped foot on a Navy ship in his life outside of maybe a tour, gets to have my title. So I will be a ship secretary. <laughs> All right. Because the that is basically what my yeoman job was anyway. All right. Well, I'll say this, Aaron. You don't have to salute me. It's okay. Don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> no, not with that finger. Don't salute me with that Do <laughs> <laughs> you know what secretary means? Yes. What? Uh, no. What, what, Something what Latin. You go, I don't know where you're going with this. <laughs> you, no, I'm seriously, concerned. it means the keeper of the secrets. That's so, right. Yeah. Mm. You, that, Manly that, man. That, yeah. So we thank you. It's an honored position that we hold very respectfully. So... If you want to hear more about uh, or more from Aaron and Patch together on our show, you can check out our previous episodes when we covered the movie X-Men in episode 111 and The Jungle Book in episode 150. So thank you both for helping as we search and ask where in time is Captain Francisco. Looking forward to hearing more from you later and also finding out how we each answered this movie's trivial question, which is... The jersey worn by Michael J. Fox was sold to Dyna Collection, a Beverly Hills pawn shop, for $30,000. Your trivia question for this episode is, if you could have a movie prop from any movie, what would it be? We'll each be answering that question as the show progresses, but for now, Aaron, can you help us out and lay in a course for this episode? First, our roundtable discussion will consist of the trailer, synopsis... <laughs> production details for Teen Wolf, and then we'll discuss and count down the top three things we liked and disliked about the movie. We'll follow that up with our final rating of Classic Nostalgic or 
tragic. And then check in on our engineers' progress in their search for the captain. Everybody got that? Affirmative. Alice, rewind when ready. Alert, alert. Approaching target. Spoilers are coming. Establishing analysis vector. Do you know anything about a rash that's going around? From Michael J. Fox. Whoa! Just say the word and see the moon. Don't change. Don't change. And you're into one scary situation. You are an animal. Has America's hottest hunk gone hairy? Let's check his family ties. An explanation is probably long overdue. Folks, this one's a real howl. Michael J. Fox is Teen Wolf. Teen Wolf. Monday night at 8 on KPTV 12. So that's the info the trailer gave us. But Alice, do we have our memory mind meld back from Dallas? Yes, tacos. Oh, darn. Okay. Uh, and our comm link has been cutting out prematurely lately. Oh, well, let's give it a shot. Never say die, right? Never say die. Alice, please patch into Glicks to retrieve our memories from Dallas for Teen Wolf. Hello, Paul. My senses are indicating that the effects of our impossibility drive should be coming to an end. Alice's memory banks should be fully restored soon and on top of that, Dallas will finally be getting access to his tacos back. That said, there is still one remnant of data logged in Dallas' memories. Would you like to receive said information? Never say die, Glicks. Confirmed, syncing Dallas to the RRP comm signal in 3, 2, 1. Hey Dallas, since we're reviewing Teen Wolf, can you give us our memory mind meld while doing your impression of Wolfman Jack? What's going on all you Teen Wolf lovers? Michael J. Fox plays Scott, who isn't doing well in his high school years. There was so much unnecessary sweat on Scott Howard during the first basketball game. But it all turns out because he turns into a werewolf and becomes the most popular kid in school surfing on the wolfmobile and being the very best at basketball. Scott doesn't use his wolf powers anymore and takes the longest free throw shot ever and somehow wins the big game. Yeah! That was dumb. <laughs> Thanks, Dallas. I think you... Communication terminated. Dang it. Oh, well, guys, I think we should save these tacos for Dallas. Sounds good to me. I dig it. All right. But as far as our memories from that mind meld are concerned... <laughs> all that seems pretty accurate to me. Yeah. Well, I think that was all correct. Wow, no Inception sound effect there. But based on those memories... What rating did they lead you to predict for this movie before recently rewatching it? Classic, nostalgic, or tragic? Uh, let's start with Aaron. What did you predict before watching? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I had so little memory of this movie that yeah. I most likely would have predicted tragic because I just didn't have a connection to it. So, I, I mean, but it, really, it was nothing behind that prediction. I'm looking it up here. Yeah, it was tragic. So, <laughs> uh, Patch, what did you predict? I, I predicted nostalgic. Nostalgic, and I predicted classic. So we have the full gamut there. Let's see how each of those pan out. But, Patch, what are the technicals for this movie? All right, the movie Teen Wolf is rated PG. It runs one hour and 31 minutes and was released in theaters on August 23rd, 1985. Yes, and people who worked on this film have also been involved in 
some of the other movies we have covered on the show, like... Michael J. Fox, who played Scott Howard, a.k.a. the Teen Wolf. He also played Marty McFly and about half of his family in the Back to the Future movies <laughs> that were covered in episodes number 70, 74, and 77. We have Matt Adler, who played Lewis. Yes, he was the older, younger brother, Jeff, in the movie Flight of the Navigator that we covered back in episode number four. There's James McCrell, who played Vice Principal Thorne. And he played the TV reporter Lou Landers in the movie Gremlins that was in episode number 151. And then we had Jay Tarsus, who played Coach Finstock. And he was un the uncredited writer for the movie Short Circuit that we covered back in episode number 61. We also have Mark Holton, who played Chubby. Yes, he played Frances Buxton in the movie Pee-wee's Big Adventure. That was in episode number 60. And he also played Older Stillwell in the movie A League of Their Own that was covered in episode number 66. And we also have Troy Evans, who played the Dragons basketball coach. And he also played Roger Potaker, who helped Courtney Cox hire Ace Ventura in the movie Ace Ventura that we covered in episode number 37. There's Carl Steven, who played the aptly named Whistleboy. Yes, and he also played Tommy Purvis, the lawn mowing kid in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids back in episode 114. We have Tamara Carrera, who played an uncredited student. Yes, she was also the Jacuzzi Girl number one in Back to the Future 2 that was covered in episode number 74. And she was also the uncredited Cigarette Girl in Dick Tracy that we covered in episode 164. And last but not least, Miles Goodman, who was the composer for this film. Right, and he also composed What About Bob that we covered back in episode 88. And he composed The Muppet Christmas Carol in episode 134. The budget of this film was about $1.2 million, and then it went on to gross over $80 million in the box office. So, good job, Teen Wolf. Well, I would say good job, Michael J. Fox. Let's just, let's just keep it real, right? I oh, if you want to keep it real, I'd say good job, Back to the Future, that yes. <laughs> this was released after, and it rode the coattails on it. So, uh, yeah. In fact, they filmed this movie, Teen Wolf, before they went on to film Back to the Future. So, in one sense, Michael J. Fox here went from boof to biff. Anyway... So the, for the movie to do so well, there must have been some things that people liked. So let's count down the top three things that we liked about the movie Teen Wolf. So starting with number three, Patch, what's your number three? Well, I am a huge fan or a sucker, whatever you want to call it, of movies that take place in high school. And mm. I really don't care how old the actors look who are portraying <laughs> high schoolers. If you give me a high school setting, I'm probably going to give it at least two and a half stars because of where it is. And I, I love the fact that this takes place in high school because it really sets up the overall narrative and, and makes it pretty believable mm. given the circumstances and given like the actual plot of the movie. But when it comes down to it, we're walking through life with a high school kid who's trying mm. to figure out who he is with this interesting take on what it means to be a teenage werewolf. And so the fact that it takes place in a high school, I think already had positive vibes for me. Okay. So the plot and setting, basically the plot of uh, discover what to do as a teen, as a teen wolf and being a teenager in a high school. Well, the setting specifically like having it in high school 
Yeah. Because I mean, if you if you show me a movie that takes place in high school, whether mm-hmm. it's a romantic comedy or a drama or a horror film or whatever, I'm probably going to watch it. I'm probably going to kind of release my inhibitions and say, it takes place in high school. I'll give it a shot, even mm-hmm. if it's terrible. Yeah. I'll at least give it a shot because it takes place in high school. So it already has a step up above Teen Wolf Two that takes place in college. Absolutely, there's <laughs> enough like... about yeah. See, and that and that gives me more credibility on why I hate that movie because it does not take place in high school. It takes so place young in adult wolf is not good. No, no, that is a hard no right there. All right, so no geriatric werewolf movie for you. Okay. Uh, my number three is the fun scenes and there's a few of them especially the the surfing i want to with the van surfing getting on top and you got the beach boys music playing and they're having a lot of fun and some of the basketball scenes are really fun with watching the fake michael j fox doing some some hoops and stuff so there's some fun scenes in here that i've really found enjoyable so that's my number three Aaron. Sure. My number three is, I guess, the overall plot, Mm. in a sense. Mostly the fact that we have someone who's a werewolf, and it's essentially a superhero movie Mm -hmm. versus what you would think of as a traditional monster movie. I like the fact that it explores the idea that if you had superpowers in high school, what would you use them for? Mm -hmm. And so by that train of thought, you know, he could essentially be Superman or the Flash or some other comic book character that we are familiar with. Mm-hmm. Because what are you going to do? You're going to stop trying to be thought of as a worthless dweeb. You're mm-hmm. going to try to be a better athlete. You're going to try to get the girl. These are all very relatable things. I think that's part of why Patrick likes the high school setting is it's something that we can all go back to in our memories. And we we have that collective um, feeling about that time in our lives. And mm-hmm. we can just all relate to it in such a great way. And so this is what I like about it. It's, frankly, a pretty stupid story, but his actions make sense to me mm-hmm. for the most part as far as what he would do in this situation if he discovered he had these powers. That makes sense, yeah. So, Patch, what is your number two? Well, you hinted at it earlier, and I would say Styles is my number two. <laughs> yeah. I love everything about this guy. Yeah. I, I told Aaron offline when I was watching this, I was like, you know what? For a minute of my life, and I, I, I probably literally mean 60 seconds of my life, I wanted to be Styles. Oh. And whether whether it was because of the surfing on the van, mm-hmm. whether it was because of the what I thought were cool shades that he would wear when he would surf, or if, <laughs> or the obnoxious T-shirts that he would wear. Styles, nice shirt. Yeah, I love how he carries himself, mm-hmm. how he feels... Like he's God's gift to women. Like he's mm-hmm. all that in a bag of chips. And he's really not. I mean, he is like an uber dork <laughs> in his own right. Even though he feels like he can make it happen. Like, I'm going to get this keg. And then he goes to the party and realizes it's one of like 10. Yeah. And I, I, I heard this. I didn't hear this uh, until I watched it recently. I, I, I'd never picked up on this. But one of the guys in the background was like, if we don't drink it, just take it home and bring it back to another party yeah. <laughs> right before it pans over to the kegs. Yeah. And I just, I love that goofy sidekick. Yeah. I mean, you have, you have Scott who has this, you know, it's the straight man, the funny man. It's the, mm-hmm. it's that kind of Laurel and Hardy type relationship. That's, yeah. And I think that those kinds of partnerships are really powerful and really strong when it comes to making a movie. He adds so much levity to the Mm -hmm. scene sometimes too much but for the most part i think he really really sells every scene that he's in 
Yeah, he's one of those what I would consider a breakout star. I think he his star really shown in this role of his that I'm quite frankly surprised he didn't go on to do bigger and better things, especially in the 80s when they're making movies like you you know weekend at bernie's and things like that where he could have easily been in so yeah i i completely agree with that he had a similar kind of more mature character in iron eagle which i thought was pretty fantastic oh i haven't seen that was that in the 80s yeah yeah okay aaron one of aaron's favorite movies not called top gun (laughs) i was about to say what genre is that is that military or it's actually yeah action military it's in the same vein as top gun in fact it's 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 usually compared to Top Gun when there are like video essays that come out talking about movies that come out in pairs and it's usually mm-hmm. the one that because it came out shortly after or shortly before Top Gun. Oh, it got overshadowed by Top Gun. Yes, but it's still pretty good. It's okay. fantastic. Yes. Okay. And what's it again? So I, I so Iron I can, Eagle. Iron Eagle. Eagle. I'm You want to have Aaron you want to have Aaron back if you guys cover that. Yeah. Oh man. Such Iron Eagle. Movie. Okay. My number 2 is also one of the cast and this was almost my number one but michael j fox i thought did a fantastic job playing this character in fact i it's hard for me to think of any other actor that could have done a better job in that role especially back then nowadays that's a fun little thing who if you had to recast this movie nowadays and rewrite it so you know if so that you can actually enjoy it if you don't <laughs> uh, who would you cast as Scott Howard? Any ideas off the top of your head? Dylan O'Brien. Who's he again? What's he been in? <laughs> no, he's in the Teen Wolf series. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was trying to cheat. Um, you know, I don't know because I think the tone would have to be so completely different. Mm. I could see a little bit younger Zach Efron. That's who I was going to say. If I could cheat and go back a few mm-hmm. years, Zach Efron, yeah. I think, could have done well. I'd probably pick Ezra Miller. I think he plays mm-hmm. a nice kind of dorky kind he of does. teenager. I mean, he was good. I mean, and I say that because of his performance in The Perks of Being a Wallflower. I think he would mm-hmm. kind of go back to that that role only mm-hmm. in a more, even more comedic sense. Yeah. Uh, but I honestly think Michael J. Fox there's nobody like him. I mean, him running down the halls, slipping and sliding, his comedic, physical c- comedy, as well as just his likability. And you want to root for the guy. So I really liked him in this role. So he's my number two. Aaron. Well, my number two is also my connecting point, which I believe we're going to dive into as well. So I'm going to yes. kind of merge those things together here. And Excellent. It's a collaboration of two scenes, really. It's it's the two moments where Scott takes a walk with Lisa. Mm. Um, I really enjoyed both of these moments. They feel almost out of place in this movie in a lot of ways. Patrick talked about the the levity of the Dials character, mm-hmm. and this really brings it down. This is like really the most of the drama is in these two scenes. Yeah. Um, but the first one, you know, they're talking about their past and she's telling him that she doesn't want him to get rid of her. And he's learning that there is this girl out there that actually likes him. Mm-hmm. And she's offering herself as someone to lean on as if he needs someone to talk. It's just really sweet. Mm-hmm. I actually incredibly enjoy the score in the background during oh, yeah. the first walk in particular. It's not really necessary because these scenes in modern day movies probably wouldn't have that kind of a sweeping dramatic score behind them Mm -hmm. but it's also not terrible it's well done and so it adds to that moment 
Yeah. And then that second walk that they take mm-hmm. is about her wanting him to take her to the dance, but not as the wolf. And that one's right. really powerful because he feels like he has to be the wolf to be accepted. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like he's not good enough. And right. it's all about her saying, no, you are good enough. Um, I want you for who you are now. And it, and it really kind of triggers the way that the movie is going to ultimately play out. And I, I just enjoy those emotional moments. Go figure. Made me feel. Yes, yes, that that's very impactful. Um, yeah, his re- his relationship with Booth, I think, is is kind of out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. And we may, I don't know if this will come up later, but I'll just make an observation. I think that because of that kind of, that conversation that you mentioned, Aaron, where they're walking and they're talking about growing up and quote running away, but mm-hmm. not necessarily <laughs> leaving their own neighborhood. Yeah, couldn't cross the street. <laughs> speaks to her assertion and her comfort level with him in the way in which she talks to him, the way she's overly affectionate with him. And if you didn't know that, you would feel like she's kind of, not not a tease, but you'd feel like she's a little bit too forceful, a little bit too in his bubble. Because I have i don't remember seeing a lot of female characters that essentially throw themselves at their love interest that way. Like, she's very strong-willed. She's very, very comfortable in her own skin. And I think that's something that we didn't see a lot in the 80s, especially 80s comedies. Oh, yeah, that's true. So my connecting point <laughs> is is kind of weird for me, but you know the scene? It's in the basketball game at the finale and where Chubby does this, I think he does this hook shot. He makes it in miraculously, and Michael J. Fox's character just jumps on the on his back it's a slow-mo and there is such joyous jubilee in that moment with everyone cheering and and the confidence that chubby has and then and michael cheering and the ending was a little bit unbelievable for me about how can these underdogs actually win but at that moment i was so right there with them that i was like yes Maybe they could actually do this. And, and I think it's very rare that you see that. I don't know, but the, the physicality of somebody jumping on top of somebody and the, the jubilation that scene, that three or five second scene has is, is just, oh, I think it's, it's wonderful. And so yeah. I, for some reason, it's one of my favorite parts of the whole movie. <laughs> I don't know why. Why? I would assert that it shows vulnerability. Mm. I mean, when you when you hug somebody, like when my son runs at me mm-hmm. and just gives me a leaping hug and then yeah. you know, punches me in the face because that's what he does at six years old, mm-hmm. that embrace completely breaks down any kind of discomfort or bubbles that might be there. And I think it shows a lot of Scott's relationship with Chubbs. I mean, even yeah. early on, it's played for comedic Mm-hmm. Uh, purposes, but he goes, Chubbs, aren't you supposed to be on a diet? And he goes, what are you talking about? And he goes over to his locker and just starts taking things out of it. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think that that moment sort of reinforces the fact that Chubbs is his guy. It's, he's, he, it's his buddy. Yeah. He's not yeah. Boof, obviously. But, right, right, right. But, and- but if he had to have a, per, a a dude, a guy that was kind of his his bro, I think Chubbs was that way. And that's probably the one carryover into Team Wolf 2 that I liked is that mm-hmm. continuing relationship, even though – well, no, it wasn't Scott. Sorry, it was Styles. So disregard that comment. It's still <laughs> terrible. Okay. Yeah. 
but yeah, I, I agree. There's there's this friendship that is really evident, and you don't see that a lot in film these days, where that kind of physicality without being taken over to the um, the erotic side, if for lack of a better word, you know what I mean. So to qu- yeah, to quote Styles. Are you going to tell me you're a fag? Because if you are, I don't think I can handle that. Yeah. <laughs> that was an awkward moment it <laughs> watching is. that it's today. Been, it's, in today's culture, it absolutely is. It's like, we don't want to do that. <laughs> All right. So you didn't connect with that. But what did you connect with, Patch? Well, earlier on, we were talking about the plot. And I remember reading some of the trivia behind this. And... Jeff Loeb, who is one of my favorite comic writers. Yes. I didn't know that he actually co-wrote this. Yes. And so this is, of course, me projecting, and I'm going to start trying to connect dots that are probably not supposed to be connected. But you've got Scott's dad, who at one point says essentially what Ben says to Peter Parker, with great power comes great responsibility. So you've got this comic book flavor happening. Aaron, you mentioned the whole superhero aspect of it. But I remember reading where Jeff and his partner, I don't remember his writing partner, they were interviewing directors. And the director that they hired, I'm sorry that I can't remember his name, he was the only one when asked what the movie was about, he didn't say it was about a teen werewolf. He said it was a father-son story. Mm -hmm. And they hired him on the spot. And I agree with that. And so when I read that piece of trivia, I watched the movie kind of through that lens. And so the big scene that stood out to me was the... It's sort of two scenes, kind of like what you mentioned, Aaron, with with Boof. It's the conversation with his dad just before he goes to the party and he's talking about quitting the basketball team. And his dad is really just trying to tell him, look, you've got a lot going for you. He goes, no, I don't. I don't have anything going for me. And he says, Scott, you're going to find out that there's yeah, – Exactly. I love those. I love that series of lines. That's, that Scott's basically like, this is why I suck. This is why I'm not – anybody and then he comes home after he's turned into a werewolf and then the next day he and his dad are talking and that's when he throws out the with great power comes great responsibility and i i I love that even those moments are sort of played for comedy because his dad's like this is a special gift it's like what so i can you know chase dogs and bite you know bite children or something like that all these different things that you would expect oh yeah i'm gonna howl at the moon he goes scott this it isn't just about that. And you're going to have to understand what it means and how to use that power, how to use that gift. And I love that he calls it that he doesn't call it a burden. And as I see that and I see how his dad sort of defends him with thorn. And then earlier on when he's having the conversation with Scott and he says, look, those are your issues with, with the team and with your, your arch rival from the dragons uh, or the Knights. I can't remember what the team was, but he said, Thorn, that's my fault. And then we get the backstory. And I think in general, I love the relationship between his dad and him. His dad is portrayed as just homegrown. There's nothing really special about him. I think he was described as the dad who knew how to make a tuna casserole. Being friends with Boof, which is, again, a weird thing. And Scott's like, talking to my dad? What, what, so what kind of conversation were you having? And of course, it led into the scene that Aaron alluded to earlier. But I think that father-son relationship and that that subplot, that sub-story that was going on really helped elevate the value of the movie. Because in a lot of ways, this is definitely a throwaway. It's a conventional plot, lots of kind of over-the-top stuff, and we'll get into some of that. But I think those 
those those moments with his dad really kind of helped elevate it for me. So having that kind of relationship and seeing that in the movie really elevated it significantly for me. And as a result, that became my classic maker. All right. Classic maker. So let's get into it. Thank you, Patch. That's yours. My classic maker is kind of similar. You're talking about the dad. My classic maker is actually the supporting cast of this film. I love the dad's relationship, like you were saying. And I love the dad's relationship between him and Boof. And I love Chubby and and just the... This is the cast and the setting is a movie that I would like to live in. And not, oh, like have an adventure with Doc Brown and like in some kind of movie, but actually like settle down and not have any adventures. It's just like normal day-to-day life. I love the characters. I love the the friendship that he has with Chubby. I, I love Boof as the quintessential girl next door right there. And I love what you, I love Styles. And Styles is absolutely hilarious and always fun to have around. So for me, just being in the movie with those characters is such a fun atmosphere for me. So for me, that's my classic maker. Aaron, what's your classic maker? All right. Well, I, I promise that Patrick and I didn't collude on this, even though we do come from the same podcast. I think, you know, when you're talking to each other, two times a week for several years about movies, you start to think alike in a lot of ways. <laughs> so mine also revolves mostly around the relationship with Scott and his dad. Mm. Particularly, I kind of want to frame it around this one scene in the beginning of the film that is probably my favorite overall scene in the film, and that is when Scott becomes a wolf for the first time in his bathroom. Yes. The effects and the makeup work here as he transitions was actually pretty good. For and the time, it's yeah. much better than what I would consider the rest of the film. And so it stood out as, as positive for me. Okay. But you mentioned Michael J. Fox as an actor. And I think yes. it shows that no one else could have even potentially pulled this off. His mm. facial expressions and yeah. the way that he looks really shocked coming out of this is just fantastic. And, mm-hmm. you know, he finally opens this door after his dad's trying to get him to open the door and we pull back and we see a gray haired wolf dad and he just says deadpan as can be, I guess an explanation is in order. And it's, (laughs) it's it's been a very intense moment. It's one of the more dramatic scenes we have. He's kind of starting to freak out and lose his mind. And it's like a really great, hilarious way to break that tension. Oh yeah. (laughs) And so with, you know, that would probably be my favorite scene, but just it's really all around this idea of, the fact that his dad is a werewolf too, and it makes it a father-son story. I, I love that we explore his affliction, as if you could call it that, through the lens of it being hereditary, mm-hmm. because that's not normal when we have yeah. these kind of stories. It's always somebody got bitten by a werewolf, but that's right. not in play in Teen Wolf. And I like yeah. that. It does something different. And that moment with his dad really stood out to me too, that Patrick mentioned, where his dad is telling about a, him about his experience, turning into mm-hmm. a wolf out of anger, and not being sure who he was more afraid of. That was almost a connecting point moment for me mm-hmm. is when he was telling him that and saying, you know, I didn't know if I was more afraid of Rusty Thorn or myself. Right. Um, and I really wanted more of the dad and Scott in this mm-hmm. movie. Um, I, I would have liked it a little more balanced because I just loved those portions so much. I think they were fantastic. 
Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, Scott was being a teenager and surfing on top of the wolf mobile instead of being with his father and having handstanding, man. Handstanding, which I thought yeah. was pretty fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's the top three things that we liked about the movie Teen Wolf. So now into the trivia portion. The trivia question again was, if you could have a movie prop from any movie, what would it be? So, Patch. Probably the DeLorean from Back to the Future oh. Part 2. <laughs> well, you can't that. because Ernest Klein already does. From, from Part 2? Oh, wow. there's multiple different ones? There yeah, are three. There's, there's, there's like eight from each movie is what I was told, but because they kept breaking down. <laughs> But that I'm specifically that calling is, out two. Yeah, it yeah, has with Mister Fusion on it. And hover the, conversion. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff. Oh wow, that is an excellent. It, it's making me rethink mine. <laughs> um, <laughs> while I'm thinking about that, Aaron, what's yours? You know, it's a really close tie for me. It's between Anduril, which is Aragorn's sword in the Lord of the Rings. Oh yeah. Or Ryan Gosling's tap shoes from La La Land. One of those two things. You could yeah. tap with the sword in hand. That I would, would be, be that would fun. be the best thing in the actually. <laughs> like, I would, it would I be would new live, would and amazing. exciting. It, it would, would be, be new. Very, very exciting. Very new, very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> See, for me, I was, my favorite movie of all time is The Princess Bride. And, Originally, I was thinking, oh, the six-fingered glove from what's-his-name, because he's always looking for the six-fingered hand or the six-fingered guy. But then, actually, I was thinking Inigo Montoya's sword. But then, honestly, I think I'd rather have Luke Skywalker's original lightsaber from the first Star Wars movie more than that. So, I think I would say Luke's original uh, lightsaber. It's yeah. a good call. Yeah. yeah, I like that. It's a like safe that. one, unfortunately. It's very solid, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can't go wrong with yeah. a lightsaber. Yeah. All right. So uh, we like hearing back from you guys, and we post on social media, and especially in our Facebook group, that you're all welcome to join and join in the conversation. We'd like to hear back from you. What would your favorite movie prop be from any movie? And speaking of social media, we also reached out and asked you what you remember from the movie Teen Wolf. We start out with Dirty Steve 40. I'm not going to ask what that handle's all about. <laughs> and he says, the makeup, the music, and Michael J. and the bully from the Pee Wee Herman movie. I really enjoyed this as a kid. Nostalgic for me. If this was remade today, they would have a shared universe with teen vampires, mummies, zombies, and whatever else would sell tickets. Mm-hmm. There is the weird scene at the end credits where an extra is showing, quote, extra creepy. Yeah. <laughs> Wardell White says, I remember being 12, remember watching it on a lot on HBO, and remember Michael J. Fox being the star. But weirdly, it was the gent that played the teen's father, James Hampton, that caught my attention. I remembered my dad rented this movie called Homps. It had Hampton with Jack Elam and was about a cavalry soldier and a beer-drinking camel. Then, of course, he was with Burt Reynolds in The Longest Yard. But Teen Wolf was a cool movie for the time. James Kennison says, I remember watching this on the sly through the black-and-white viewfinder of a camcorder. So 
James was a pirate before pirating was really even a thing, apparently. Oh, I, th- I thought that meant that he was like sneaking it from his parents. Like, I'll watch it in the video camcorder, not on TV, so no one will know what I'm watching. Maybe that's I what mean, he was doing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would take too long to rewind it. That's actually know. that's pretty darn resourceful, but also a terrible way to watch a movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a negative five K right there. <laughs> right. <laughs> Okay, Renegade of Rock says, why did Michael J. Fox go to school with the bully who was on the other team? Was this the championship of an intramural league? (laughs) And so I thought about this. He must have gone to another school, right? Because you didn't see him in the school and his school was playing the other team, right? No, yeah, his the bully was from another school. Yeah, okay. The only time we saw him with his girlfriend was... Either when he was picking at parties or when he was picking her up from play practice. Yeah. Yeah. I never, you never see him in the hallway. All right. Jimmy Kokira says, I never saw it for the first time until last year without any nostalgic feelings. I just didn't care for it much. Ooh, which leads us into the things we didn't like about the movie Teen Wolf. So let's count down the top three things. Let's start with uh, Aaron. All right. Well, my number three dislike is something that you both noted as a like, and that is the character of Styles. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Basically, all of the antics and comedy around Styles, in my opinion, was completely ridiculous. Um, I do not enjoy that kind of humor. (laughs) I found it to be absolutely stupid shocker I just, shocker i, I, I didn't I like mean, that oh, listen wow. i don't know what to tell you like do i do i think that it fit the tone that this movie was going for yes it did but did i enjoy it absolutely not i spent the entire time rolling my oh, eyes yeah. and when patrick texted me and said that thing about liking styles for er, styles for 60 seconds or whatever i just gave him dot 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 back because <laughs> i was like come on man of all the things, why that guy? Because he's funny. He's no, energetic. But he's, he's not. He's this is not. why we can't have nice so, things, Aaron. <laughs> so this is why yeah. you're, you're a you're a cold hearted soul. I am. I am. This is why we're here. Cr- crotchety old man. That's what you are. So yeah, I want my drama. I do. I do want my drama. And Styles just did not do it for me. That's true. He's he's Fair not enough. about the drama. <laughs> Okay. Oh gosh. Uh, my number three is uh, should be no surprise to anybody, but it's the opening credits with the white text on black background. The score behind it is a little bit interesting. Cha 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 cha. Yeah. Like Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, a little. Like, but it's so slow, and it 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 the movie is kind of slow, so it kind of prepares you for that. But. Let's definitely have credits in with the movie, not this black, white. We should be beyond that by now. So that's a that's a easily a given for me. So, Patch, what's your number three? Oh, man. In the history of 80s movies, I think one of the common threads. Drug sti- use. <laughs> cocaine parties. No, <laughs> <laughs> there was there were drugs in this one. Yes. <laughs> And weird things going on in closets at parties. But whatever. <laughs> That's not what my number three. 
I think there was another common thread in a lot of 80s movies. In particular, it reminded me a lot of Can't Buy Me Love, and that was the wolf dance. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. The awkward dance of like, oh, everybody knows I, this weird, awkward dance. I will... Look, as much as I love teen comedies and I have a special place in my heart during She's All That when Usher is basically choreographing this amazing prom dance Mm. of these guys. I think it's fantastic. These dances in the 80s were awful. Yeah. Awful, awful, awful. And I remember thinking that from the Can't Buy Me Love dance with the African anteater ritual and then this wolf dance that seemed to catch on ever so quickly. Yeah. It just kind of reminds me of it. Same thing happened in Encino Man where they're all doing the Encino Man dance. Yeah. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Unless you're doing Thriller together, just don't do it. Just don't. Yeah. It is unbelievable in that. Speaking of unbelievable... Uh, that leads me into my number two is I know Patchy said it doesn't matter if these people are a lot older and they're playing high school students, but <laughs> we, we, I think these guys are even past college. Some yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah. So you have the main cast all in their twenties <laughs> playing teenagers. And then, so, okay. You have to put your brain on hold and, and you're like, okay, I can give them that. And then Styles comes in and he wears these obnoxious shirts, which is fine, but then he wears them in school, high school, which would never be allowed. What he's wearing, his shirt in the the class would never be allowed. It just pulls me out of the movie and it's hard to stay in this world if you're constantly pulling me out. So for me, my number two is trying to stay in the movie. So you were not a fan of the t-shirt that said, uh, get out of my face. (laughs) (laughs) It would be fine if it was in any other scene, like in the garage or at a party, I could believe it. But when he's wording it in class in school, it's like, no, that wouldn't happen. Yeah. I don't, well, at least I've never went to a, a high school that would allow that. I thought about wearing that during my staff meeting at work. I don't know how that would go well with my with my with my crew. <laughs> Just choose the never say die one instead. Yeah. That would be it. Yeah, I'm gonna wear that on Fridays. That's good. All right, number two for you, Aaron. The sound effect for Scott's wolf growl is awful. Absolutely. Oh, at what point? At every single point in the entire oh. movie, it is terrible. It's not even as if it's coming from him. It's like his acting takes mm. place and then in the background there's a track that plays a wolf growl it it's makes almost as if it was added in post oh well <laughs> i'm do- i mean obviously yeah. it's a sound effect but it's a poorly edited in sound effect uh, to the point that it sticks out and it, yeah. and it takes me out of the moment every yeah. single time and when you combine that with what i found to be pretty terrible sound effects across the whole movie they're very 80s um, so they're you know indicative of the area era for mm-hmm. sure but just the techno-y kind of <laughs> transitions and things like that yeah. those do not work well for me in most cases the only movie i can think of that i enjoy that kind of sound and transition was Ferris Bueller's Day Off it has a similar vibe. Yeah, it has it has some there. 
and it works for me there, but it, it yeah. did not work for me here. And and ultimately, it's his growl. His growl is just yeah. the worst thing ever. I know the director. He was asked about the glowing red eyes. That's so cheesy. Do you regret that? And the director's response was something to the like, yeah, but that's part of its charm. So I think he would respond the same way with the growl. It's kind of like, yeah, but it's part of its charm of this little movie. But that's too bad that it takes you out. As my number two were things that take you out of the movie, I'd have to sympathize with you on that one. (laughs) So, Pash, that leads you. What's your number two? Well, to kind of tee off of what Aaron said with regards to the bad growls, while I enjoyed Scott's wolf look i thought it was kind of cool especially Mm. when he was dressed up you know he got his fancy wolf look with the slick back wolf hair and all that stuff the sunglasses and the headphones yeah i mean i think i think there was there was something in all honesty i think apart from the kind of the typical 80s transition from human to wolf which was very indicative of what you see in a lot of wolf transformation movies in that decade Mm -hmm. seeing him in the full wolf costume i thought was pretty great in contrast to that his dad looked like a really bad Ewok. Oh no! He just, like, <laughs> he's got the. It's he's all adorable. Puffy. He no. is. And I get why. I get the adorability that you know he's not a mean wolf. Yeah. But no, I would probably say you're a bear, a panda bear <laughs> kind of thing. You're not a wolf. You are a you are a fluffy stuffed animal that my son would probably sleep with at night because it's so cuddly and again it makes sense you know it's his dad he's he's not intimidating but it's this, a wolf this is where styles missed his opportunity he should have marketed his dad not scott there we go there we go so yeah when scott opens the door mm-hmm. and he's the full wolf i'm like oh that's awesome and then it cuts does that hard cut to his dad i'm like no Please go back. Please go back. Please go back. (laughs) Most people like that, but you're like, no. Okay. (laughs) Not most people. (laughs) All right. Oh, well. All right. So let's go into the things that we disliked most about the movie Teen Wolf, our tragic maker. And I guess I'll go first since I kind of alluded to it already. And that's at the end scene, the whole finale, where Michael J. Fox comes in not as the wolf to the championship basketball team and says, hey, I think we can beat these people. Why? (laughs) You tried your hardest at the beginning of the movie. You came nowhere close. What makes you think you could beat these people? And the whole team were like, all right, let's try. The coach was the only one like, are you serious? All right. If you guys want to, fine. I would be the same way. But it's another unbelievable moment for me at the end. Oh, look, all unbelievable moments should be at the beginning of the movie so you can get adjusted to the world. But when you throw such an unbelievable moment at the climax it just oh it's frustrating for me aaron my tragic maker is the same thing really Um, absolutely it is so it is complete bs that these guys (laughs) could suddenly win this championship without the wolf simply because they believed in themselves they had no talent and no amount amount of motivation makes up for the extreme difference in skill level that we see between these two teams in the beginning, like you were saying. exactly, And especially 
not when you make it a point to show us that they needed an almost 30-point comeback in like the second half of a mm. high school basketball game, which is like 10 minutes of actual game time. <laughs> this scene made me physically angry at the movie because it took so long. It mm. had this stupid song playing in the background that was going, win, in the end, I'm gonna win, in the yeah. end. And I'm like, way to be subtle. Like, come <laughs> on, my goodness. Like, oh my gosh. Of course. Then we get that slow-mo, as you mentioned, the longest free throw in the history of movie free throws. <laughs> it takes a hundred bounces. And then, boom, we get like another 80s ballad that plays as we celebrate. Yeah. I got nothing out of this, guys. Nothing yeah. but annoyance. Yeah. And the fact that this is how the story ends yeah, also really rubs me the wrong way because we're supposed to believe he's learned some big lesson and that everyone now respects him for not being the wolf. But... The whole plot here is that he gets this respect. He gets people's praise as a high schooler. He becomes the talk of the school because he is able to do something for them. Mm -hmm. He wins. He mm -hmm. provides a service in essence. He's someone that they can want to be like. And then here in the end, he wins again because he's quoting, he wins. Like he mm -hmm. wins the championship. Like I, I, it just ruins any and all the goodwill for me that the movie had created because. I don't want people to suddenly accept him for who he is because he was able to win an unrealistic championship game. I want them right. to accept him for who he is because they see his character. Mm -hmm. And I, I love that you mentioned, though, the scene where he jumps on Chubby because yeah. I think that's probably the one moment during that whole sequence that we get any sort of, like, there's a good guy moment to it. But, man, yeah, yeah guys, like, I, I thought that this kind of really tanked any potential this movie had for me. To come out on top, it just—it was, oh, no. was awful. Oh, it certainly, certainly did not end the way that we hoped it would in some ways. But Patch, bring us well, home. Well, it's it's related to that, but it's really more of a technical thing than anything else. Not a technical. This was a technical foul, you know. To be to be fantastic, if I can be that way. But sure. The actual editing of that final sequence and even the montage, the basketball montages specifically, mm -hmm. were very amateur. The cutting um, between the different scenes? Well, I noticed that some of the same pieces of footage were used multiple times. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, in, in that last sequence. And whatever the circumstances were, whether it was laziness or budget or time, I felt that that whole last sequence independent of how it ended anyway mm -hmm. felt very cheap like it felt mm -hmm. as though one it's a high school gym mm -hmm. and so you're packing at most maybe 500 people in there mm -hmm. and it's the championship game after what the coach says is 12 game season mm. and again i think i'm used to college basketball 25 games i'm used to the nba which is you know more like 80 i don't feel like this climactic scene was good because of the reasons you guys mentioned, but also because from a technical, like a filmmaking standpoint, it just looked like a series of recycled cuts to get to the end where we'd show the score. Oh, they've caught up a little bit more. Oh, they've caught up a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And the unbelievability obviously adds to that. Mm -hmm. I would probably, if I could argue for this final sequence, I would say that it's definitely a Scott Howard centric moment where it's his confidence that's getting boosted yeah. but that does get undermined by the fact that 
the lesson he's learned isn't necessarily gaining the respect of the people around him. And in all honesty, if you were to make a legit sequel from this, it would be what happens after that? Mm-hmm. And why does he bring the wolf out? Because that would be the question I ask. Okay, well, if the wolf is part of you, then what good is it? What do you use it for? Do you use it to defend people? Do you use it to, you know, in college? I mean, what is the... I, I think the the premise itself, so I might be hitting on multiple tragic makers here, but I think that when you when you have a sequence like that that plays out and it's basketball, it doesn't make sense to me that that would be the thing that would be the exclamation point. Not just because I play basketball and I win as myself, but even more so because the whole way it was like portrayed felt very wasn't cheap. the exclamation point that he picked Boof over the blonde girl. Well, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, it's like Return of the King. There are multiple endings going on here. Yeah. We have he defeated his nemesis on the court and then he bypassed Pamela for for Booth. So, I can infer that there was some resolution there, but I felt like it was a messy ending. And mm. it partly had to do with the fact that it was technically not great at all. Mm. So, Rob Daniel, Rod Daniel, the director, and prior to this, he had only directed one movie, and it was some random TV movie that no one's ever really heard of. Mm-hmm. Other than that, all of his work is in TV, mm-hmm. all of it. His his biggest credential is 24 episodes of WKRP in Cincinnati. That's true, yeah. He did like one episode of Magnum P.I., he did four episodes of New Heart, but he did not have any long-form narrative Mm-hmm. storytelling experience really film mm-hmm. film wise and i think that that shows patrick i think in what yeah. you're saying i think it's i think it's, it's a, more a directorial type of thing and how you frame your ending even if it's mm-hmm. going to be winning the game it's how you presenting all of that material right mm-hmm. just didn't get edited out right to give the correct you know feeling for us that's a great point and knowing that now it feels like a made for tv movie yeah. in a lot of ways because there wasn't a lot of high budget value. I think the highest budget value came from the from the makeup. Yeah, and and, and that showed. Mm-hmm. But the sets were local. I mean, mm-hmm. it was on the same in the same neighborhood that Back to the Future was filmed in, and so it felt very localized. And I think that was good. I think you could have capitalized on the small townness of that, but it definitely felt like something that you would see maybe on Lifetime or ABC you know, the Sunday night family feature, because that's what this is. It's a feel good movie mm. with wolves. And maybe that would help diminish my dislike of Scott's dad and the wolf outfit. But <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and just stick with that as one of my, as one of my dislikes still. All right. So there you have it, folks. That's the top three things that we each dislike about the movie teen wolf. All right, Alice, now that we've entered all our likes and dislikes for the movie, let's go ahead and give our final rating. Firing solution complete. Rating salvo at the ready on your mark. But before we give you our final rating, we want you to know more about FF+. Aaron, what is FF+. Well, FF Plus is a new midweek episode that Patrick and I are dropping on the Feel and Film podcast. Instead of reviewing an extra movie each week, what we're doing is kind of taking a 
smorgasbord approach, if you will, to uh, how we talk about movies. We're doing all spoiler-free content during these midweek episodes. Sometimes it'll be new releases that are coming out, just short, brief thoughts on those. Sometimes it will be us talking about new trailers that have been released that we're really excited for. Sometimes we're just talking about industry news like award shows or big topics that come up that everybody on social media is having conversations around. And it's just a good kind of weekly buffer to, to change up your, your listening a little bit. And then we keep all of our you know hardcore film analysis, deep thematic conversations for our weekly episodes that come out on Mondays. And have you started that? Yeah, FF Plus has been going on just since the beginning of 2019. Okay. And usually those episodes come out every Friday morning and are in the same feed as our normal show. Excellent. All right. So everyone check out Feel and Film Podcast and look for the FF Plus. So let's give our final rating for the movie Teen Wolf. Let's start with Patch. Well, as much as I bash the ending, I still enjoyed watching this. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't enough to push it past nostalgic. So I'm going to keep my nostalgic rating. Mm-hmm. It was fun to to revisit it, and I'll probably revisit it again. In fact, Paul, I see behind you, you have a multitude of Teen Wolf editions, including, I think, the 25th anniversary? It's the one that came out in 2017 by Shout Media. This um, it has the documentary on there, right? It does. It's over two hours. It's retrospective interviews with the cast. It doesn't have Michael J. Fox or... The father interviewed, but they talked to a bunch, and the, the director has sadly passed away, so he's not mm-hmm. in that either. But it has a lot of the main people that were involved in the making of this film. Yeah, so so, the, so I, I definitely want to get my hands on that, and that'll give me a chance to rewatch it at some point again. So, But it stays nostalgic for me. All right. Aaron, you predicted tragic. What say you on your final rating? And Tragic's laughing. <laughs> Is it really that big of a no-brainer? Uh, yeah, it's tragic for me. I, I don't like it at all, and oh, I, I just, um, will despite never Despite what you liked. <laughs> nope. I would not enough to ever watch it again. I wow. had not seen it since childhood, and mm. it had not stuck in my memory at all, and now I understand why. And there was just <laughs> – there was no – feeling of like, oh, I remember this really cool part of that movie to go mm-hmm. to go back to. And I don't think there's anything now that could hook that for me either. Mm-hmm. I, I also think that part of that is just not not being attached to it when I was a kid. I think that if I had watched this film, like several other movies that I've revisited in the 80s, if I'd, mm-hmm. if I'd grown up watching it over and over, that I might enjoy it more. And I might even have a different appreciation level for the 80s comedy as a whole, like Patrick does. Mm -hmm. But that just wasn't when I got into movies. And then when I did get into movies, it was never that type of genre. And so that's just carried over into my personal preferences. And this is one of those type of movies that does not work for me at all. All right. So this, what genre would you say this? Is this a teen comedy or, or so this isn't in your genre? I like the 90s. I like the '90s teen comedies. I oh, like the, she's interesting! She's all that. I like yeah. that. She's uh, she's not just in or he, whatever. She's not that into you. I, um, you Ten know, things I hate about you. Ten things I hate about you. Can't buy me love is like a five star movie for me. Like those, I really enjoy. I think I relate more to those music uh, to the music in those films. I relate more to the situations those characters are going through because it was more close to my own teen years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just can't connect to these '80s high school films. 
Well, I can. That's why I rate this movie a classic, because I'd recommend this movie to anybody. Boom! I'm not going to say, look, you have to watch this. This is not one of those, look, this, Lord of the Rings, Back to the Future, you know, these are all must-see movies. No. But I think it's delightful. I think it's charming. I think there's a lot of good points in it that we've discussed. And for me, I like to revisit it every now and then. And if you've never seen it, I'd recommend give it a watch. You might just like it. And for those people that do like it, I do recommend Shout Factories. That interview, that two-hour is worth it for me. So with a rating of nostalgic, tragic, and classic, we have a draw. So we are going to go out to our patrons and we are going to ask them to help us out and give us a final rating for the movie Teen Wolf. And since we have a time machine, I'm going to give it to you now. Yes, hello there, Rewinders. This is Paul from the future, and I have the final rating here. And according to the Retro Rewind podcast, we rate the movie Teen Wolf... ...a disputed nostalgic film. So, if you've seen it before, you'd probably enjoy seeing it again, and if you haven't seen it, you probably may not miss seeing this at all. So, I'll see you in the future. Okay, thank you, future Paul. Now we're back in our present time. So, (laughs) did you know this show is interactive for you, the listener? Yes, you can interact with us on the web. You can vote on the movies that we cover on RetroRewindPodcast.com slash vote. You can buy t-shirts at RetroRewindPodcast.com slash store. You can get bonus content and more by supporting on Patreon, just like Patrick and I do, at RetroRewindPodcast.com slash support. And you can contact the show at RetroRewindPodcast.com slash contact. Yes, and you can also talk to us on social media. Yeah, reach out to Retro Rewind Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you can sometimes watch them record these very podcasts, as well as live streams of video games and pixel art on twitch.tv. And I am so grateful for our guests for taking time to discuss the movie Teen Wolf with us. Thank you so much. Aaron, please tell us how people can find you online and if there's anything you want to promote. Well... You can find myself and Patrick and our show at feelinfilm.com. You can find us in iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Store, pretty much anywhere you can get podcasts. You'll be able to find Feelin' Film. That's F-E-E-L-I-N apostrophe F-I-L-M. And we would love for you to check out our show. You can find us on Facebook. We have our own little Facebook group as well, Feelin' Film Facebook group. You can plug that into the search bar on Facebook and find it. And you can find us on Twitter at Feelin' Film and on Instagram, I believe, at Feelin' Film Podcast. All right. And is can people get in touch with you directly? Or just through the, uh, the oh, Feelin' that, Film? Yeah, I mean, I run the at Feelin' Film Twitter, so it's the best option I'm pretty plugged in when it comes to social media <laughs> All right. i respond quickly cool and patch how about you you can find me at shoeless patch s-h-o-e-l-e-s-s-p-a-t-c-h on facebook and twitter i'm usually hanging out in one of those two places and uh, i can be best contacted if you at me or tag me in something 
All right, cool. And most of all, I appreciate you. Yes, you listening right now. Whether this is your first time listening to the show or you're part of our Rad Rewinder community, thanks so much for spending time with us, and we pray that you are more joyful now than when you first hit play. I am Paul J. Powers. You can catch me at pauljpowers.com, where I have all my social media links, so come by and say hi. And finally, we are proud to be part of the Retro Junkies Network at theretrojunkies.com, where Teen Wolf can help sniff out your stash, I think. (laughs) No? All right. And then maybe not. (laughs) And and the Christian Geek Central Network at christiangeekcentral.com. You can catch us at either of those, but like a Pokemon, we got to catch you all later on the next episode of the Retro Rewind podcast. Retro Rewind Mission Complete. Proceed to Nap Point Omega and return to base. No, 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 wait, Alice, don't go back to base. How many times, Alice? All right, look, we need to check back with the engineers. XO, I mean, Paul, I analyzed the quantum envelope of TR2 from its jump here and found something. Can I speak with you privately? Mm hmm. Uh, you got me worried there, Chief. What did you find? The temporal movie frequency of TR2 exactly matches our own. When the pod jumps to the same point in movie time, the quantum drive registers a potential time paradox and jumps away. Well, sure, but that was supposed to prevent the TR2 from creating a paradox with our past selves on the early missions. So TR2 was set to our old frequency? Not according to what I found. Somehow the frequency of TR2 was updated to match the pod's current frequency. Oh, that's weird. Okay, let's update our frequency again and go get Francisco. Travis, do we have a destination? Same year, but the movie is The Goonies. Mm, darn, we've already covered The Goonies when Francisco and I did a commentary for our patrons, the Flux Capacitors. They're what make our time travel possible. Oh well. Turning off temporal repellent settings and heading towards Goonies. Alice, rewind when ready. The time jumps are getting closer, but is the captain? We'll find out in the next episode of the Retro Rewind Podcast.